Live from this is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me to freedom. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast. You're your New York sports off and long suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. Another double dip for you this week. We're going to do two episodes. The NFL picks is going to be later this week with our pop culture segment with Alan Austin. But today, we're going to start out talking some more baseball. We're going to talk to the baseball beat today. Will Schneider, Hannah Anthony, Sorbolini are here. We're going to break down in detail what happened to the Yankees. They lost the American League Division Series, the Tampa Bay Rays, in five games. Reset baseball a little bit, preview the two championship series, and take a look back at what we talked about before the season. See, you know, how we felt about, like, the rule changes, the playoff field, all that good stuff. That's coming up today. Make sure you're locked until the end of the podcast of this week's two-minute drill, where I'm going to tell you a little bit about what's been going on over at Roland Garros at the French Open. We got a pair of interesting outcomes at the French Open this week. We'll discuss that at the end of the show, but we'll get it all started this week's opening tip. We're going to talk about what happened with the Yankees in the postseason right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. All right, we are back here, opening tip style. The American League Division Series is over. The New York Yankees will not be going on to the next round. They lose in five to the Tampa Bay Rays. Game five came on Friday night. 2-1 loss for the Yankees there. Gary Cole comes down in three days rest. The first time in his career, gives him a brilliant start. Goes six great, goes into the sixth inning, strikes out a bunch of guys. You're thinking, wow, they got a chance here. Aaron Judge is the early homer, give him the lead. But Aaron Judge can't make the leap. To, to snag the game-tying homer, Cole Wows. 1-1 going to the eighth. Mike Brosso, who, remember, that's the guy who rolled this Chapman through at earlier in the season and started the whole, like, feud between the Yanks and the Rays. Of course, he's the guy. That guy is going to who hits the go-ahead homer off of Chapman. And great job by Ron Darling on TBS on the broadcast, basically pointing out there in the bat that, boy, Brosso's getting a, a handle on Chapman's fastball. He's got to turn on one eventually, and he does. And like that, you knew it was over at that point. Yeah, you still had it bat in ninth, but strikeout, strikeout, line out, game over. Season over for the Yankees. And you sit back and you wonder if 2020 was a disappointment again. I get it was an unusual year with the shortened season, with the unusual format. I mean, they're playing these games in San Diego. This, this game could have been played at Yankee Stadium in Tampa in normal times. That did not happen. The expanded postseason... And the fact they didn't reseed this series could have been the American League Championship Series. We could have seen the Yankees playing Oakland and Tampa playing Houston. But instead, we got the two divisional matchups, and that's what we ended up with. But to me, this one, it just raises more questions about this Yankee group. Because Garrett Cole was everything they wanted him to be. He was great in Game 1. They won that game. He was great in the wild card round. They won that series. He was great in Game 5. They lost the game. And the one thing coming into this year at the Yankees was, boy, you take last year's team, you add Garrett Cole to it, and then all of a sudden, boom, there you go. World Series winner. 
that just didn't work out this way. And I get they had pitching injuries. I know that losing James Paxton was a killer. Not having Luis Severino was a killer. Having Dur- having Domingo Herman out for the year with the serving the domestic vials this mentioned was a killer. But this team still should have had enough pitching to compete with the Rays. But the Rays, I think, were just a better team top to bottom. And the format really favored the Rays here because not having off days rewards the team with deeper bullpen. That's what happened with Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is to bring out armies of people who can throw hard, throw strikes. And that's a recipe that can win you in the postseason. We saw Nick Anderson. We saw Diego Castillo, Peter Fairbanks. You can, The list goes on and on. The Yankees really only had three guys they trusted in that bullpen at the end of the season. Because Adam Adamio had a bad year. Tommy Canely was lost to Tommy John surgery in the season. They only had Chad Green, Zach Britton, and Rollis Chapman. If you have the normal schedule where you have off days between, you can say, okay, we can make this work. But five days in a row is really hard to when you only have three reliable relievers and you don't have great starting pitching depth to get you deep into games. And we saw, we'll get to what happened with in game two with the baseball beat. That's a whole disaster in itself. But Tanaka blowing game three and not having it, that was a killer. Jordan Montgomery stepped up big game four. But to me, the question comes out of this series, the Yankees, is where do you fix this team? Because this team is starting to give you the vibes. You know what? Maybe this is a team that's great in the regular season where they can clobber bad pitching and take advantage of that. When they face elite teams in the postseason, they just crumble in the big spots for some reason. And it's not fair to blame a series on the offense because they scored plenty of runs in the first four games. Giancarlo Stanton had four homers, and he was great. Labor Torres crushed the baseball in this series. DJ LeMahieu hit well in most games. Aaron Judge hadn't hit much, but he did give you the clutch home run in game five. The question you have here is like, is the mix off? Is this something that's easily fixable? Because if you look at the Yankee roster right now, a lot is kind of locked in here. You basically have two positions that are questionable next year. Because left field, I'm not counting because it's either going to bring back Brett Gardner or give it to Clint Frazier. One of those two options will be fine. The question one is, do you leave Glaber Torres at shortstop or you move him back to second base and get another shortstop? Because everybody will say, oh, what about DJ LeMayhew? You could sign him back for third base because I get you, Urshela, is great at the glove, but you can get a good, very good shortstop. I think you strongly consider that. And number two is what happens behind the plate. Because Gary Sanders had a very lost year, and he basically lost that job to Kyle Higashioka down the stretch. I think it's something you really got to think about with the catcher position. I don't think they're going to be in the market for JT Realmuto. I think they're going to be spending for more pitching again. They have two decisions to make this offseason on the starting pitching front. Masahiro Tanaka, James Paxton are both free agents. I I would be shocked if they re-signed Paxton because of the injury thing. And this team is trying to get younger in the rotation because they do have contacts that they pay. They got to pay Aaron Judge soon. They got to pay Glaber eventually. And they have an army of young arms coming. We saw Davey Garcia this year. They like Michael King. They have Clark Schmidt coming. They still have Severino coming back from the injury. They'll have Domingo Herman back next year. So the urgency for a James Paxton is not really there. I think Tanaka is the more interesting case. I could see them moving on from him because you get the sense they're not thrilled with him. This, Despite his reputation as a great postseason pitcher, he was not great in both his postseason starts this year. But in the past, he's been a brilliant postseason performer, a solid regular season starter. This might be a situation where I can see them going, okay, We'll save some money here. We'll let him go, and he can go somewhere else, and we'll sign either a filler 
or will just promote from within. I think those are options there. The bullpen does need to be fixed. They do need to get more arms there. But again, I've seen the mess for year after year after year. Finding bullpen help is not easy. You can go sign the guy with the best stats, and the next year he could be horrible. The truth is, this team is very good. They are very good going forward, and they have the ace final in Garrett Cole, but what do you do to tweak the edges so that they have more success in the postseason? It's not easy. And this could be a case like Washington, where you know you just keep getting there, getting there, getting there, getting there, and one year you finally break through. That could happen with this group, but with the way the postseason is, with the extra rounds, all that, the odds of this team building a sustained dynasty are not great. Just the nature of the format makes it more prone to chance. The question is, do you panic on what happened to Tampa Bay? Or you just write it off and say, okay, we'll tweak around the edge, bring this group back, and go for it again. I think they'll do the latter. It's probably the right move here. But you do have to wonder at some point, at what does this group need to get it over the top? It's a fair question. We'll ponder that going forward in future weeks. But up next, we're going to talk to the baseball beat right after this. <laughs> All right, we are back here talking playoff baseball with the baseball beat. October is baseball month here on the podcast. Join me today. First up, the unofficial co-host of this podcast, the great Will Schneiderham. Will, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah, also with us today, the other half of the baseball beat, the... Uh, the Yankee half, who is in mo- deep mourning right now after last night, Anthony Sarbellini. Anthony, how are you holding up? I'm hanging in there, Mike. I'm hanging in there. All right. You know, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll spare your sorrow for a few minutes. I do want to talk a little about the baseball season as a whole because we have not talked since mid-August, and things did get a little bit different from then. So I'll start off with this, guys. I'll go to you first, Will. Your take on this season, this weird 60-game season we got with the expanded playoffs as a whole. Uh, it's 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 just like a lot of getting used to and stuff and uh, I don't know it's just it was I think all sports in general just like a lot of kind of like injuries weird performances great performances I don't know you know what it's just like it it felt bizarre for the most part and I'm happy that it's coming to an end uh, I know some of this stuff is going to stick around but it, it it allowed for me to kind of have some of the stuff grow on me. But at the same time, yeah, I just I hope we never have a season. Let's hope like this again, just because that means we never have a time in the world like this again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my biggest thing is, as much as I do love you know the sports in general, but baseball, um, I wasn't. I found like I wasn't as uh, fully invested as I would normally. Yeah. Be. And, mm-hmm. Like on one end, it was great, of course, you know, to have sports back in general, but baseball too. It just it didn't feel right, like, rather, you know, watching the Yankees and, you know, make that playoff run and eventually losing last night. I was kind of just like, okay. It, it, I don't know. It just felt weird. Yeah, definitely. I, was, I felt that. Yeah, definitely kind of, uh, like I said, don't get me wrong, super happy to, you know, watch sports, watch baseball as a whole. But I just wasn't I just wasn't invested in it. Yeah. Yep. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, like, the, the normalcy of having games every day was nice. But, like, you did feel that degree of separation where it's like, 
feel like it's this whole other world than the one you're living in because they're at the parks. There's no fans there. Like, they have all these weird different rules. I feel like there's this whole, like, little, like, it was like felt like literally just put a bubble around the stadiums and you can't access it, but it's still happening around you. That's the way I kind of felt. Yeah, well, it was it, it, that investment part, right? Like, yeah. it's exactly what it was. Like, all mm-hmm. summer, usually, I'm like, yes, you know, but now, yeah, it's kind of like, uh, like, there's baseball, but I'm not going to get super upset about it if somebody loses. Just this is, all sports in general, I'm like that. Besides the Lakers, I really want the Lakers to win. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of just like, you know, I know we touched on it, you know, when uh, way back when when we were first talking about, you know, the possibility of baseball coming back. But it was pretty much, if anything, just served as a distraction for everything going on in the world. So that's always, you know, I guess kind of been the power of sports in a sense, you know, to serve as an outside distraction. But again, just I know I wasn't fully invested in it. Like I said, again, I was watching game here and there, but it wasn't like, oh, let me, you know, sit down on my couch. Let me make sure I have baseball on. It was just kind of when I'm flipping through, oh, yeah, baseball's on, which is so yeah. odd for me because I'm the complete opposite. Normally it's, oh, I have to watch the Yankees. I have to watch baseball. Who's playing? But this season it was just like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, I think as far as that goes, I think one thing I also hurt this, I think, to agree, I think, the expanded playoffs, I think, didn't help much because I get like they why they had to do it and why they wanted to get the extra teams in because of the inequities of the scheduling. But like, there was felt like for a long time there was like no real like massive stakes because like half the league was getting in. Like even when the Yankees were struggling in the middle of like August until like until like mid mid September, you felt like oh they're still gonna get in because what's gonna happen? The Detroit Tigers are get hot and catch them? No, it's like. Even the last week of the season, when the Mets were somehow still bumbling around with a chance, they got all the help they possibly could have needed, and they still couldn't make it in because they couldn't trust themselves to win the games. No, that's just kind of how it felt, especially because I know hockey and basketball, you know, have eight teams make the exactly. playoffs. It almost feels like it kind of diminishes, you know, making the playoffs because especially those first round of playoffs don't mean anything. It's kind of just like I don't want to watch a two play an eight. Or so that's why I really like you know a couple of years ago when uh, I believe it was the tail end of Felix tenure where he implemented you know the one game the wild, wild yeah. the one game wild card playoff it makes it made winning your division that much more important because you could have one bad game and baseball is literally such a day to day sport to where if you had one bad game your season's done even if you you know like you were the Pirates a couple of years ago you know you win ninety plus games but then all of a sudden you're done. I think that's a great example, like exactly like how it just, it never felt like you were like, the investment that you talked about. And it's just like every time, like I, I want to, as a baseball fan, you kind of want to be like, oh my God, the Marlins are such a great story. Right. But then it's mm-hmm. like, ah, they didn't even, they played double headers. And like, I get it. I can, all things considered, I completely get it. But yeah, it just, it was like you said, it was nice to have baseball on TV and it's not their fault. My gosh, this is the world. You had to deal in the day. Oh, yeah, you know? absolutely. So I just like, it was nice to have it on TV. But yeah, at one point you're kind of just like, oh, like this is just not, I'm not into it. Like it's just a lot of different factors. And yeah, the, the playoff thing I think was tough. Just like a lot of, like it's fun to panic during baseball season. You know what I mean? And like winning your division is like the thing to do. You get your playoff mm-hmm. game. But now it's like, you're kind of, you're kind of like, all right, like winning the division doesn't really, matter like the Yankees are fine doing with what they did you know what I mean where in other years right. like you didn't win the division you're the Yankees like mm-hmm. so that was kind of like where I was 
a little not. I think that's where maybe some of my disinterest came from. But hey, they they got through it. We're getting into the play the the championship series now, and we'll see how that's handled in the World Series. No, I'm just saying, just piggybacking off of that, what Will was going off of, just you know. In hindsight, months ago, it is kind of remarkable that we're here. You know, we're talking about the championship yeah. series and then, and then the World Series, you know, in a couple of weeks. So it's, it's kind of crazy seeing everything come full circle. Yeah, I think also the Definitely. the neutral fields also, I think, does add a little weirdness to this, where, like, Yankees Rays is being played in San Diego. We have Globe Life with the mm-hmm. Dodgers. It's like, it doesn't even feel like it's the real postseason. It just feels like it's one of those, like, postseason tours that they would take the All-Stars take to Japan or something like that, except there's no fans there because the – it bothers me, but we'll go to the Yankees for a bit because the Yankees, their season's done. They lose in five to Tampa Bay. Obviously, I broke this down a bit at the top of the podcast, my thoughts on it, but Anthony, as the Yankee guy, what's your big takeaway out of this series? I mean, the Rays are legit. They're here to stay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I know we talked about it uh, doing our previews and everything. And don't get me wrong, you know, I knew the Rays were going to be the biggest test for the Yankees moving forward, you know, in terms of the AL East. But, you know, we didn't expect really the Astros. So that should be a good uh, ALCS coming forward. But, yeah, the Rays are just – the Rays are kind of just that little mat that kind of just sweeps underneath the radar and just, you know, they, they do everything right. They build up a farm system. They have a couple key guys. And they just go out and they play. They're just a bunch of – they're just a bunch of uh, bunch of grinders and dogs. They do everything to get out there. Oh, it was – it was great to watch, you know, um, as much as I, uh, as I hate the Rays. It's, it's a great story. It's great for baseball, seeing a small market team, you know, get out there and everything. So I'm excited to see them moving forward. Yeah, well, I think the turning point of this series, in my opinion, I think, I think you would, I don't know if you agree with me on that. I feel like in game two, that whole fiasco, when Davey Garcia starts, pitches a great inning, and then gets taken out so they can do the opener with him and have Jay Happy the middle guy. At that point, I'm like, I don't understand this. I don't get the logic here. I feel like they got in, the Yan- the Rays got in the Yankees' heads here. It sort of had this philosophy of like, oh, we're trying to outraise the Rays, and we're not smart enough to do that. And then it backfired spectacularly, burning two pitchers in one shot. What's your take on that? Yeah, it did kind of feel like that, right? Where it was like, oh, you guys can do it, so we can do it too, and stuff like that. So I did. I, I didn't like it that they did it I thought it like just for the benefit of the pitcher too like why would just let Devi go you know like he's gonna have to do it at one point um and I mean Jay I gotta I don't know is half really like a guy who you really trust in that much it was it was just the whatever they were really trying to do obviously didn't work out and I think that's what ultimately kind of unfortunately cost the series for him because it was just such a it was an emotional series to begin with that was an emotional game um, and you just, it's a game that – that's just one of those, like, series break backbreakers, you know? Yeah, Anthony, as you were watching that game, too, and you see Davey coming out and half coming in, what were you thinking? I, <laughs> I think, you know, you hit it on the head, you know, just trying to outraise the Rays. But you, you really can't do that considering the Rays are pretty much the team that – or at least one of them that, you know, that created the the, the scheme of the opener and everything, so – and plus, the Yankees, I just, I think you should have let Cole go as far as Cole could go. You know, your one-run game to an eventual tie game, you know, you're, you're not at that one. So just, just let everything go. Don't try to overthink things. You know, Cole was dealing. Yes, he had his little hiccup in the first inning, but he kind of always has that. I think his stat in the first inning is uh, his ERA is the highest out of all his innings pitch, but he just gets better from that. So 
I'm always a firm believer of the eye test. Yes, analytics have a time and place, but I think Boone relies too much on analytics, and I think that's just a case of, you know, Boone just uh, just getting in his own head a little bit and just, just uh, trying to outraise the race. Yeah, I think the, the, well, I'm talking about game two. I mean, game five, what they did with Cole was fine. I feel like he got them deep. He got on three days rest. They never done it before. They did a good job getting what they could have him going to the pen. But like, I think in terms of the analytics at Boone, the one thing I didn't understand in that game yesterday was like, why Mike, like uh, Mike Ford was the guy getting the pinch hit calls that Clint Frazier and literally Mike Ford had not had a hit since August. Yeah, that was a, that was bizarre. I definitely agree with that. That was a little like you're like, gosh, is that Mike Ford? <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they wanted. Uh, I guess I, I I completely understand like the lefty lefty or uh, lefty righty matchup, but yeah, to that it's kind of like let Clint go. Clint can play. You know that's a big at bat for a young player to have to get. So um, I, I thought that that was that was really just really weird how they managed this whole thing down the down the stretch. Yeah, yeah. I just I'm just. Uh, I know I've said it. It's like I'm preaching to the choir over and over again. I'm not a fan of Boone. I, I kind of thought this was a, a make-or-break year. Yes, given the circumstances, 60-game season, kind of crazy. But, you know, this is year three of Boone's contract where he was, like I keep saying, given the keys to the Ferrari, and he just keeps crashing and burning. So we'll have to see moving forward. Yeah, I don't think they're going to make a change off of this year. But it is worth watching going forward because they're – I just know, like, I can't put my finger on exactly what it is, but there is something missing with this group where, like, they'll always do great in the regular season. As long as they're healthy, they're going to the playoffs every year, especially if we keep this expanded playoff thing going to some stupid number. But once they get in the playoffs, it feels like in these really high-pressure spots, for whatever reason, like, the bats go away. I know they hit earlier in the series, but they, they got outpitched in Game 5. Rollis Chapman is now getting up big home runs back-to-back years. Now, Tuve last year and, and Mike Brousseau yesterday, which is fitting considering he started the whole rivalry by throwing at Brousseau's head earlier in the season. But, like, Anthony, what do you think is missing? I know you're not a boon guy. Do you feel like there's something off with this group that they really don't have? Yeah, I just feel like, you know, they're still such a young team. You know, the oldest tenured guy is Gardy, so... Yeah really is no that that sense of you know i guess veteran leadership so they're still in a sense you know kind of winging it when it comes to playoff season yes they had cc a couple years ago you know retiring at the end of last year but i'd like to see them get like you know just a couple just quality you know veterans to where who you know they're not gonna be their everyday guys it's gonna be you know they're gonna be you know, they can come in for a couple of bats, you know, just help mold these young guys. And then another thing, too, is you got to get another another big starter. You got to get another big arm. Yeah, Will, how, how does Trevor Bauer sound? <laughs> uh, absolutely. <laughs> Give me Trevor Bauer. But unfortunately, I, uh, I don't think he would fit in with the quote-unquote Yankee brand in terms of being a loudmouth. Yeah, it could be a little bit interesting. But, uh... Well, you know, we'll have to see. I would love to see Trevor Bauer because, you know, I think he's going to be because I believe he was. He's going to do one-year contracts moving forward. Yeah, he's not going to be going for, like, the big deals, uh, like a long-term, you know, six-year deal. I don't see him doing anything like that. But, yeah, I think this – I really think the Yankees are – my honest opinion about the Yankees is they're – they will beat up, and I mean beat up, on lesser pitching, right? Lesser pitching will never Mm -hmm. stand a chance against this lineup. But – and DJ LeMay, he was fantastic. 
they got a few kind of like grinders and that, but, but it's just like, there's not enough. I, I don't know. Like the term contact guy seems like a, it's like really cliche, you know, but there's just not enough of that in this lineup where like, you're, you're not getting great at bats from the top to the bottom. And then when you're in the postseason, Yes, Giancarlo Stanton's fantastic. Like those guys, are, but but you need a proven a proven batter. I think I my personal so like my, again my opinion with this is um, Cashman has done a fantastic job of finding the secondary pitches, the depth mm-hmm. the, the depth players. Gio Urshel is a great find. Luke Voigt's a great find. Uh, DJ Lemayhew turns out to be like a fantastic contract. But I think mostly. You, you, it's not the end of the world if you end up paying for like a star, you know, like that's what's missing. Those, those guys are great. They're great. They, they, they play well. They performed well. They've been, you didn't get or have to spend anything to get any of them, you know, but mm-hmm. you gotta at one point, it just feels like they're reluctant to kind of spend for a position player. So, like, I'd imagine a guy like a, like a Francisco Lindor, you know, like this is what I'm talking about, like a dynamic impact guy is something that they need in that lineup. And, and Stanton was supposed to be that guy. Unfortunately, he just really isn't right now. He had a great postseason, but he's definitely hurt. You know, he's hurt a lot. So, and Judge has hurt a lot. So I guess when those guys are in the lineup, you kind of have it. But I, I just think like a Francisco Lindor slots into the Yankees perfectly. Yeah, it's like my personal opinion is I think they have enough star power on that team. I just feel like, I think to Anthony's point earlier, it's like, you, I don't think they have enough of those, like, kind of, like, grit guys that, like, remember the early, like, the 90s Yankees had. Like, it was, like, your Chad Curtises, your Ricky Ledays, like, those key role-playing guys who would get, like, that timely hit and work the count. They don't, I think they're too all or nothing with their approach to the plate. And I think that get that's the way that the, they win games the regular season with that ballpark. But, like, we've seen the last couple of years, the teams that don't strike out as much tend to go further in the playoffs. Absolutely. It's, it's not a secret either, yeah. you know? <laughs> Like yeah, strikeouts strikeouts are a big part of baseball today. But like your lineup can't do what the Yankees lineup does. It just can't. No, because you're not pacing fifth starters who have ERAs over five in the reg- like in the postseason. You're getting teams' best pitchers, and I do think also with this one, the format really really hurt the Yankees here not having the off days because they couldn't get the bullpen guys rested. Tampa was deeper, which is why I love them this season because. They, they, the more guys you had, the more you can mix and match. The Yankees basically only had three bullpen guys they trusted the entire series, and that came back to bite them. I don't know. How do you really? How do you really break down a team? Right? Like instead of Garrett, so like realistically, Garrett Cole gets Game Five, and it's on Four, extra rest, rest regularly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like now, it's I, you know, it, it, it's just it, it, like anything. I, I know. I said, yeah, I, I do still think Lindor is great. They should get it, but like, like this season a lot of it's kind of like oh well you know what it's a war of attrition so that was that was tough if I'm a Yankee fan like yeah I'm upset that they lost but I completely understand the fact that like that, that that's really just like a kind of like a roll of the dice way of going about the playoffs you know it was just a sense of kind of what you know it's a a mismatch season and and in the sense you know let's, let's try to get as many games as we can let's try to get you know but I guess, you know, let's try to sell baseball as much as we can right now. Let's try to bring in as many people as we can right now. No, the whole thing with this was, okay, we are going to expand the playoffs and make some money back for the money we're losing. But at the same time, we can't push this past no, the end of October because we don't want to compete with the election. So, therefore, you have to compress the schedule here to get everything in there, which is why you don't have the off days. And 
yes, technically you're not traveling, so that helps. But at the same time, like, if you are a team like the Yankees or, like, imagine last year's Nationals in this format. They would not get far at all because their entire plan was basically based on using your, their stars in relief every every other game. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's weird. It's definitely, I think, a little just that you kind of you, – like part of making the playoffs is like a getting, you know, you're kind of awarded the luxury of being able to miss Matt or do all that stuff. But yeah, it's just, again, it's a different year. It's a different season. And uh, this is, that's obviously not going to be something that happens moving forward. No way. No, it won't. And the, the Yankees going out, basically, it basically completes a dark timeline for New York sports in 2020, because as we saw the, the, in the NHL, the Rangers went out the first round. They did get Lafreniere, but they're out. Devils didn't even make the bubble. The Islanders went to the conference finals. Well, it's actually the best team in New York this year. Mets choke, missed the playoffs. Knicks didn't make the bubble. Nets lost in the first round. Yankees lose. And the football teams are terrible. So this is a very, very, very dark period for sports the rest of the year. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Am I wrong? Yeah, it's uh, it came and went with New York sports. Let's just say that, right? <laughs> How it works. Yeah, New York combined 0-8 in football, too, as of recording. So I don't think it's not going to get much better there. But let's go to the other teams in the round here. And the expanded playoffs here. Really did the Astros a solid because they got two teams that are historical playoff choke artists in the Twins and the A's. They beat both of them, go to the American League Championship Series. I don't think Houston has a chance, but if they somehow beat the Rays and get to the World Series, I think the league gets exactly what it deserved for coming with this stupid format. I tell you, though, I, I mean, obviously, you never condone it. I was saying this the other night. You, you never condone what the, uh, what the Astros did. It was so wrong. It was not right. But like, I really feel like people like, oh, like, yeah, they cheated. But like, I really think people are like, oh, that means they just stink, right? Like, they're not, they're not actually good. They cheated. Like, no, the Astros. That's the shame of the whole thing. They're fantastic, and they could have won without that. That just marred their reputation. This team is really good, and you saw it in that athletic series. They were ambushing them, right? Like, this was a team that had said, all right, you know what? We've been there. We've done this. We've won. We've won in the stadium. So, to me, it's like, you know, I know people hate the Astros, hate them. But that is like, you watch that team play, that is that team is, like, I would not be surprised if they go and win the World Series. I really would not. They just seem unfazed. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. But, Anthony, my argument here is this. Like, this team was below 500 in the regular season. They don't make the playoffs not for its expanded format. They were in 29-31. They got reseeded out of the Rays match. They like because they didn't because MLB decided they needed the stupid bracket. So they went to play Oakland instead of playing Tampa, who was the better had the better record. So I think if Houston gets through, I don't think they will because I think Tampa's just deeper than they are in all facets. And Tampa took them to five last year when they were a much stronger team when they had Verlander and Cole in the stat. But Houston, I think good for them for taking advantage of the format. But I think they're a reason why this thing sucks going forward. Yeah, I mean, you touched it on it. Just, you know, it's kind of the irony in the whole situation of, you know, how horribly everything was handled in terms of the Astro scandal. But again, just, uh, you know, kind of how jumbled, much of a, how much of a jumbled mess this expanded playoff format is. Because like you said, the Astros only got in because of the expanded playoffs. So 
I'm not a fan of it. Like I said earlier, you know, it kind of diminishes, you know, the playoffs in general when you let basically half the teams in. <laughs> so it kind of, you know, especially diminishes those first round games. It's kind of like, okay, you know, again, but again, you know, we'll, we'll definitely touch on it. And I think it's pretty much goes, you know, any heart, any, uh, you know, normal baseball fan goes to see that the Astros are a really good team. They have a core group of, you know, superstars and Altuve, Bregman, Correa, you know, just all that team and just they're going to go out there and compete. They're not going to, I don't think they're going to come out, you know, and represent the American League in the World Series. Because I think, I honestly think it's the race to lose at this point. But it just, it just speaks to, you know, this whole entire mishmash of a season that we had, that we've had. Yeah, I think so too. Let's go to the National League side for a minute because I think that one pretty much went chalk because the NL was pretty much, okay, our four best got through, minus the Cubs and the Central, because the Central is a disgrace. It went seven teams in, in from the AL and Central. They all lost in the first round. But we end up exactly where I think we were planning to, Will, with the Dodgers and the Braves. So in that, the NL sense, the expanded playoff format didn't give us something different from what we were expecting. I think this series, I think, has a chance to be good, but I think MLB is praying the Dodgers get through. Yeah, and uh, the Braves are substantially better than what, like when we did that podcast in August. Yeah. This Braves team is substantially better than than that than what I even thought, right? Like we were like, okay, they have superstars, they have stars. Now that pitching is you got Ian Anderson, you got Max Freed. I mean, listen, like I do think the Dodgers get through, but the Braves they just like their lineup when you look at it, you don't really you're kinda of like, okay. But then you really look into it, you got Freddie Freeman, Osuna, Albies, Acuna, Travis Darno now, like good role players. It's just, I would not be surprised too if, if, if Atlanta kind of pushes them here. Cause, cause we all know starting pitching is just, and it, it may have starting pitching, you know, yeah. where it's, those guys will grab it and go. It's not just a starting pitcher. It's two to three to even four. And, and um, I, I really honestly think this Braves team, this, they're kind of feeling like pissed off, don't they? Yeah. Like Acuna was taking it personal, getting thrown in on, thrown at, and stuff. Where it's, I don't know, I, I kind of like buy into the, to the Braves now. I, I, I thought the Dodgers would kind of cakewalk in, and everybody, of course, wants that rematch, and it would be very fun to watch. But I have a feeling you're definitely getting someone playing spoiler. It's going to be Tampa, or it's, or it's going to be Atlanta. Like we're, I have a feeling we're not going to get this this World Series we all want to see. No, it's just the way baseball works, right? Yeah, <laughs> of course this season's gonna work. We all we all like to think we know stuff, but in all reality, we don't know nothing. Yeah, yeah. One one thing on the Braves, real quick, before I ask what will deeper in the series here is like, I'm really sick and tired. And will you know it's from our chats and Martina Puccio off air? I'm sick and tired of the narrative that the Mets screwed up by cutting trap by passing on Travis Darno and letting him go yeah. in 2019. The mistake there yeah. was giving him the contract and cutting him after 10 games. That was the mistake because. If you look at his tracker at that point, he was always injured. He was constantly like, like I mean, his good pitch framer, his arm was bad. He was not struggling at the plate. Like they went, they let him go, and then the Dodgers let him go as well after they picked him up off waivers. Tampa fixed him. Tampa let him walk. So the Rays are the most guilty here because the Rays could have kept him and then said they let him go to the Braves for two years, sixteen million dollars. This whole idea the Mets are the ones who screw up the most here just bothers the hell out of me. Yeah, and it's just, you know, we're in New York, so I get like that. And, uh, you know, I just think the guy, he just needed a change of scenery. Like, that's just, it's not like, 
you know, like I, people, I feel like people kind of fight it. Um, you just need to change the scenery and you got it. You know, I, I was bummed he never really panned out with the Mets because he was supposed to be a fantastic and injuries just slammed this poor guy. But listen, good for him. That's how I look at it. You know, as somebody who's trying to not like be a complete fan fan about it, I know super fans are really pissed, but like that's a guy who, I mean, we know how much he battled, how many injuries he went through, how many adjustments he tried to make, and then it just didn't work out. And good for him. He got paid. He's going to get, you know, if he keeps this up, he's going to get somehow squeak another contract. And, you know, good for him. He's on the Braves and he's playing in the NLCS. Just leave it at that, you know? Yeah. Anthony, what's your take on the NL series? Who do you like? I mean, at the end of the day, I I do like what the Braves are doing, but it's kind of hard to go against the Dodgers. Just the Dodgers, they're just it's it's a, it's, a, it's an all star team. I mean, come on, <laughs> they're ridiculous. So they were my sure. pick, you know. They're uh, they they were my pick heading into the season, and I, I'm kind of uh kind of hard for me to go against them at this point. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the preseason predictions. I did keep track of everything here, so I want to go back before we wrap this up and sort of revisit our thoughts on the baseball going into the season. I will give Will credit. Will actually correctly correctly called all eight American League playoff teams. I didn't know that. Yep. <laughs> you hit you hit all eight. We wait, Anthony and I each missed like one. You had all eight. Hey, I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, the National League was not as successful. Nobody got all of them because Anthony and I both <laughs> thought the Mets would win the NL East. That worked out great. You also thought the Nationals in the NL East, Will, so none of us had the division champion. Oh, come on. That was close. <laughs> Everyone was close, right? <laughs> yeah, I think the only division we got correctly were the two we were both unanimous on. The AL Central with the Twins and the NL, NL West with the Dodgers. Uh, those are kind of layups. Yeah. Do we, get, we can't really uh, – I'm not patting myself on the back for that one. <laughs> I will also give credit here for some Cy Young calls. Anthony picked, picked Trevor Bauer to win the National League Cy Young Award. Oh, yeah. That's money. That one's cashing, Anthony. Oh, yeah. Did Digging you, that one. Too bad. I'm not, unfortunately, you're not, I don't assume you're not going to go put some checkles on before the season. No, I know that. <laughs> And Will also called Shane Bieber for American League Cy Young. I'll take that. We both thought it was Ohio, and it paid off. <laughs> and to reset the, the World Series picks here, preseason, we are we did pretty well. I have the Dodgers over the Rays. That's still alive. Will has the Rays over the Dodgers. That is also still alive. Anthony had the Dodgers over the Yankees, so that one came to an end. So, Will, you, yeah, well, you know, what do we know? Are you... <laughs> Will, are you sticking with your preseason call here? With Tampa? over, Tampa. Yeah. I, I'm going to say it's a safe one. They, they, just, they, they seem like a wagon right now. Their pitching pitching's amazing. And when you got Brussel going deep and big at-bats, that's just like that, that's like the sign of like a World Series winner, isn't it? Like when you got guys like, uh, you know, Cody Ross with the Giants years ago and so on. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with that. I will say that one amusing thing about Tampa Bay and the Yankees is just the fact that G-Man Choi just owns Garrett Cole for some reason. That I just don't get. Dude, G-Man is the like literally the man. Do you see like the the stretches he's making at first? You're yes. like, oh my god, this guy doesn't look like he's quite really nimble. Nimble, and here he is, like, yeah, hell yeah, G-Man. Yeah. <laughs> I think Anthony, as far as like the smart baseball teams go, the ones that follow the analysts, they. 
Tampa Bay has become the gold standard of it because Oakland can't find a way to win the playoffs with their with their system here. Tampa can win the playoffs, and that's a big accomplishment with a small market team. Well, yeah, Tampa just kind of, like I said earlier, they're just that sneaky team that I think a lot of, you know, people just seem to forget about. They kind of just sneak in there, you know, they do what they do in the in the regular season, and then come playoff time, you're just like, oh, yeah, like you forget that the Rays are a really, really good, solid team. Yeah, I think Will will appreciate this. I feel like once the sale gets approved and Steve Cohen takes over the Mets and Sandy's in charge of the front office and he sends Brody Van Wagenen on a slow boat off to the middle of nowhere to for play, and finds a new GM in there, get somebody in for the Rays because they have a great idea what they're doing. Well, we could have had one, right? The Mets could have signed the uh, hired one uh, the first time. I, yep, it could have been. wasn't high in bloom. But, uh, yeah, I mean, those are, those are the organizations that just seem to get it. Tampa, the Dodgers, um, Cardinals, and I'm forgetting one, I'm forgetting one. But, you know, those are the teams that constantly just, you're like, how the heck do they have all of these freaking prospects? So, yeah, let's do that. I'm down. Yankees, too. Yes, Yankees, yep. Yeah, because the Yankees' farm is incredibly deep. And at some point, I may have the top of the podcast. I feel like next year that they're – I could see them potentially going a bit, like, younger on the rotation to try and save some money for extensions here because they do have all those arms. They're going to get Luis Severino back. They're going to get Domingo Herbano off the suspension. They have Montgomery. They have Davey Garcia. Then they have Schmidt and King. I could see them saying, you know what, we'll – We'll go internal. Maybe we have one guy for the back of the rotation goes insurance because Davey's not ready. But like, I don't think they're going to go super, super invested in the rotation. They're going to spend more than money on bullpen arms. Yeah, I will say I um I like Garcia. I'd like to see what he like. I want to see what he becomes. Yeah. So oh, I do too. I just want to see how you know all these full these full young guys just come up and just finally just you know kind of get over that hump and just you know be you know the star the stars that everybody thinks they're going to be. Yep. And hopefully next year we get a full season to see Yankees race 19 times. That would be much more fun than the what we saw this year. Well, they did say they made sure to they made sure to make it <laughs> make sure that those counted though. Yeah, we got 15 meetings in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, and that's I think and a lot of fighting. A lot of fighting. Hopefully the fans will be there next year too. That would be nice. Yes, let's hope, man. Let's hope for everybody. Gosh, yes. Let's get back to normal and everything, right? Yes, please. Yeah, let's get back to normal next year. But we do want to thank you guys for hopping on. It's been a lot of fun. Let's do, let's do some social media plugs. Will, why don't you go first? Tell us what you're doing on social media and about your Jet Ray podcast. Yeah, so I'm on uh, Twitter at WillShutterH1. And yeah, I do like a Jet podcast where it's, it's not like – it's kind of like, it's just like a work in progress. I kind of just go on, talk about the Jets. If I get a guest, I get a guest. Uh, nothing too fanny or like obnoxious. Just really breaking it down, going into the stats and uh, doing some NFL talk about it too. Just trying to keep busy, man. Keep busy. So yeah, if you want to listen to it, go ahead. How do <laughs> they, how they, how they, oh, it's on uh, SoundCloud and Spotify. I, the Spotify thing is being weird, so I, I've been trying to fix it. Um, but yeah, SoundCloud, I share the links. You can look my name up, Will Shinerhan, on uh, SoundCloud as well. It's for sure on there uh, right now. What's the name of it? The Green Skies. Green Skies, yep. Green All Skies. Right. All right, check that out. Anthony, how about you? What are some of the stuff you're up to and how follow you on social media? Oh, man, well, social media could check me out on Instagram at Sorbellini Photos. And then a uh, bit of good news, you know, 
thank God with, with uh, sports being back, I actually just uh, picked up a freelance contract a couple weeks ago to uh, photograph Toronto FC uh, over in Connecticut for the uh, for their home games and then possibly a couple playoff games, you know, in the city. So I'm enjoying that. You know, I, of course, I miss, you know, shooting games at Iona, Columbia, and Manhattanville, all those schools I was working with last year. But, you know, I'm just enjoying everything and just hoping things stay on the up and up, try to get everything, you know, back to normal. That sounds yeah. Follow that page. He's got the photos. He's going to be doing games. We're going to see him. We're going to see a Yankee game next year, dude. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that was the goal for this year. But then, uh, <laughs> uh, but then uh, COVID had different plans, right? Uh, yeah, COVID ruined yeah, a lot of plans. Sure. <laughs> we'll be fine. We're moving forward. You move. We move. Yeah, we are moving forward. Thanks again, guys, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Up next, a two-minute drill. I'm going to tell you guys, and I know you guys are not following, but I'll catch you up on what's going on at the French Open. They're just wrapping up the tournament right after this. The two-minute drill. All right, we are back here on the podcast talking two-minute drill, talking tennis at the French Open. The last time we'll discuss tennis on the podcast this year, not the major season is over. And what happened all in Roland Garros so the two weeks of the French Open? Very interesting. The women's side was basically a free-for-all because we had upsets galore left and right. I think five of the final eight women in this quarterfinals were unranked players, unseeded players. We had Serena Williams go out in the second round with an ankle injury. She withdrew. We had Victoria Azarenka go out early. We had... Uh, Simona Halep go out in the quarter in the fourth round. The final turned out to be unseeded po- uh, Polish 19-year-old Iga Swiatek against Sofia Kennan, and Swiatek wins the tournament open in straight sets, and shockingly did not drop a set the entire fortnight, which is incredible, especially for an unranked player who had to go through three seeded players to get to the championship. This continues the youth revolution of women's tennis. We had, over the past year and a half, we've had Naomi Osaka emerge as a star. Bianca Andreescu won the U.S. Open last year. Sophia Kennan earlier this year in Australia. And now we can add Iga Swiatek to this group of emerging young female players. And as Serena Williams gets older, gets further away from her prime, and now she's planning to be in Australia in January for the Australian Open, but... Do we have enough here yet to see if she can win that 24th slam? I don't know. But interesting to see this young class of female players continue to emerge on the women's side. Men's side, pretty much went straight to chalk. We had our final of Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic. And Nadal continues to prove he's the king of clay. Wipes the floor with Djokovic in three sets. Wins the French. And once again, continues to dominate the French Open. He has won a whopping incredible it's incredible how many French opens he actually has won if you think about it this man owns this thing 13 times French Open champion Rafael Nadal he has now pulled into a tie with Roger Federer for the most grand slams on the men's side at 20 apiece Novak Djokovic remains behind them the goat race in full effect here did raise an interesting point here in terms of Nadal because 13 of his 20 Grand Slam titles are on clay. But this one is his performances ever. He did not drop a set on his way to the final. Straight set victories throughout. And he took advantage of Djokovic. And Djokovic 
looks was he played pretty well, but he was just dominated start to finish in this match. Dominated. And Djokovic, he's got his chances. He'll be favored when they get to Australia in January. You wonder if he looks back at that U.S. Open instant and just thinks, boy, I blew a chance here to really get a slam. Now we have a fun goat race. Federer is supposed to be coming back in January in Australia. Nadal will be there. Djokovic will be there. We figure the next three years will be crucial in this race and see who ends up at the top. Because Federer is probably not going to be playing beyond 2023, if I were to guess. Djokovic going to have a longer length to catch up here. Nadal wants to keep hanging on to the French. It's going to be very tough, though, because he's pretty much guaranteed one a year at the rate he's going. Will be a lot of fun. We did not learn a ton other than that, but definitely nice to see tennis on the calendar again. We'll miss it because, obviously, with the various pop-ups of the COVID outbreaks across the world, the international tour will be impacted the rest of the way. But hopefully 2021 is a better year for tennis. All right, and that will do for this week's first show. I want to thank my guests, Will Schneiderhand and Anthony Sarpolini of the Baseball Beat for hopping on the podcast. That was a fun conversation talking all about Major League Baseball. If you want more good stuff like this podcast, including my look at the NFL's problem with the coronavirus, what they might do to sort of get themselves through the regular season here, they still got 12 weeks to go after this week, which is pretty nuts, and they're already having issues. Check out the blog over justandthesuffering.wordpress.com. You'll subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Just go to your favorite podcatcher, search for Just and the Suffering on any of those platforms. You can find all our old episodes there. You can also leave your feedback and star ratings as well. That makes the podcast even better going forward. You can also check out my YouTube channel, Mike Phillips, on YouTube for individual conversations from the episodes. For example, our chat today with Will and Anthony will be up on the baseball beat on YouTube as well. That's Mike Phillips on YouTube. You want to follow there. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. Coming up next on the podcast, we're going to be back later this week to do our NFL picks. We'll break down the Craig Carton HBO documentary, Alan Austin. Until then, hope you have a better week than Yankees fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.